Hello, dear listener. Welcome back to Emerge. It's been a little while. I'm glad to be here with you again. Nearly four months ago, I published an episode where I spoke about the shift in inquiry of this show. Since that time, I've been throwing myself into that inquiry through the podcast and through the work I'm doing here at the Monastic Academy. Two fruits of that inquiry that I'd like to share with you now. One is a mini season of the podcast that I'll be releasing over the next few weeks. It'll be five episodes in total, uh, featuring Mark Feenstra, Robert Keegan, Andrew McTaggart, Jonathan Reams, and Soryu Forall. I'm very excited to share these conversations and see how they land with you. And for me, they are all conversations that cut close to the bone of what I most care about, and I think will give you a good sense of where I'm wanting to drive the inquiry of this podcast and how I think I can contribute to the larger media ecology that this podcast is participating in. Uh, And so you can stay tuned for that. I'll be releasing them in pretty quick succession again over the next couple of weeks. The second fruit that I want to share with you is that we're going to be running the very first version of what we're calling the Monastic Academy Awakened Leadership Bootcamp from March 4th through 8th. Now, this will be an integrative training in the ethos and ecology of practices that we've been developing and refining over the last seven years here at the Monastic Academy. It's going to include relational practices, emotional clearing, meditation, embodiment exercises, sovereignty coaching, and more. Most importantly, for me at least, is that all of this is grounded in a deep acknowledgement that we are living in a time of planetary crisis and a deep commitment to struggle towards living a virtuous and ethical life in that context. Of course, as you might imagine, this is all in service of creating humans capable of navigating this time between worlds. So it's quite likely that the approaching retreat in March will be full by the time you hear this. But we are planning on offering this um, regularly going into the future, and and we'll be iterating on it and refining it. Um, The next version, the next instance of this will be offered in early June. And so if you want to stay in the loop, if you want to hear about future offerings and learn more about the course, you can go to monasticacademy.org slash bootcamp. That's monasticacademy.org org slash bootcamp. Today's episode is with Mark Feenstra. Mark is the founder of ShowUp Lab, a consulting and training ecosystem and incubator focused on large-scale change and co-weaving the possibility of a new mainstream. Mark is also in the process of founding a land-based community to ground the possibility of actualizing a new mainstream, initially in Golden Bay, New Zealand. Mark, as much as anyone I've encountered, really lives the sort of inquiry that I've been attempting to embody on this podcast. Every time I speak with Mark, I feel like I'm falling into some kind of wormhole of understanding and coherence. He has this amazing ability to bring these topics down to earth without sacrificing the ambiguity and playfulness that I feel is really the lifeblood of these sorts of conversations at their best. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Mark Feenstra. There we go. Yeah, and so I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling great actually, and uh, and uh, it's actually very appropriate to be talking to you. I think, and I'd love to share a little bit about um, where I see this podcast going because I think we've talked recently, and and I've been yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious about that. Essentially, the way I'm I'm framing it is that so far on the show, I have been looking at systems change with a grounding in personal transformation. And moving forward, I'm going to kind of reverse that. Mm. So I'm going to be looking at personal transformation with a grounding in the sort of systems change that you and I are are kind of involved in and, and looking at. Um, 
And there's a lot of ways to sort of tackle that conversation and to engage in that inquiry, but that that's sort of the the, the starting point. And the and the the question in in my mind, uh, how do we become that which we need to become in order to create the more beautiful world our hearts know as possible? Mm-hmm. And like really taking that question seriously, mm-hmm. right? Because so I, I I traveled around in. Europe. I spent uh, some time in Ukraine at this Meta Modern Arts Festival and Emerge Gathering, and then I was in the UK for Extinction Rebellion. And it's it's fascinating to me to start to see that, like personal transformation, like you know meditation, uh, you know uh, mindfulness, uh, trauma healing, so on and so forth, is kind of entering into the dialogue of systems change in a really incredible way. Like something is, it seems really. Uh, impressive to me, how to the degree to which is starting to be integrated. But I think people, I notice a kind of superficiality, at least in my mind, uh, mm. around what exactly it's going to take to like thoroughly uninstall the way that the mm. civilizational operating mm. system we're trying to get away from has been integrated into our way of being and our consciousness, our psyche, mm. our our soul, even. And then to kind of fumble around in the dark or however you want to think about it until we can discover, create and discover some new way of being, some new mind, some new soul, Mm. some new being Mm. that can actually do the work that needs to be done uh, and and live into this world, this game B, metamodern, you know, whatever it is, this, this, this world that needs to be born. And, and, and and so there, I just feel that that, that, process is is so deep and so profound and and Mm -hmm. and so much like the work of a lifetime that that's kind of where i just want to go i just want to like stay there (laughs) so i feel so happy hearing you say that it's like my my, i feel sort of like lit up by that that inquiry yeah just wanted to share that feel like sort of like popping a champagne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I feel like it's a real. Um, I feel really excited by it. Like I feel. I, I, so I, mm. I, um, I, I feel my my arrows kind of just turn back on. Like my excitement for this project mm. um, has, mm. has turned back on. Yeah, yeah. And and I I notice some like one of the things that I notice is that in my game a sort of way of the operating there's a lot of self-censoring going on and shaping and kind of calculating and sort of semi-consciously to unconsciously and then there are things which are sort of in me that come up when you say what you say and what I want to do is just let myself attend to those things more or less uncensored as best I can and and want to invite you to the same party mm. <laughs> it's just yeah so and and something in me just sort of recognizes that uh in behind my own way of processing experience from a game a normal there's already a lot of information that uh, it arises in my own noticing from moment to moment, which I feel like if I let it out less filtered, seems like it's mm. potentially really helpful. And yeah, I'm 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 pretty motivated to explore just that um, frame of reference from within that frame of reference. If you if that resonates with you. I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah. Cool. And I, I notice that um, what I've found helpful as a way of characterizing it is just that game A seems to be a lot about doing. Mm. And and what I find more satisfying is is attempting to be with the doing while I'm in the doing. And it seems really simple, um, and also uh, to me like 
a kind of a new normal that I feel drawn towards. And I, 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 I just want to mention it because, like, in a very practical way, um, like, for example, like how to make decisions, like you live in a monastery, how do decisions get made? And that most of the protocols for doing things like making decisions seem to come from a culture where there's not an in conscious intention to, to stay in the being while we're in the doing. And, and I don't say that to myself or anyone else that I know how to do being in the doing, but I notice that I really want to learn practical ways of living my life. Yeah where I stay closer to, to what you could describe as a meditative kind of frame of reference. But while I'm just going on with the business of being human and living and, yeah, just doing what I do, whether it's so-called on my own or whether it's with other beings. So, yeah, I, and, and I want to notice or just witness that there is a kind of a crisis that I notice sort of arises in in my storytelling internally when I become a bit more present to how much I actually want that. Mm. So, so I'm yeah, just wanting to can you st- uh, yeah bring can that. you say a bit more about the crisis that you experience there? <laughs> well, um, yes. Like, I've, I feel like it's the same crisis. I think it's a fractal of the crisis that we're in in our civilization and the crisis that we're in, in our on the earth, you know, as biological beings in a larger community of biological beings. There seems to me to be a crisis pretty much everywhere I look. And what I'm the crisis that I'm attempting to articulate inside of me is I feel like is the longing to be living in a way that makes sense mm. to me uh, now and, and 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 yet that mm. I'm not that a lot of my ways of living when I slow down enough to notice what's actually happening. I don't agree with how I'm living. It doesn't make sense to me. When I observe it without blaming or judging or just look at it and just notice how I am with it, I, it, it, it doesn't seem coherent with, with mm. what seems true mm. and to me. You know, and, and what seems clearly if I was choosing how to live, I would not choose or what I'm, what is actually happening, whether it's in my thinking or whether it's in my feeling or whether it's in my body, you know, like just the tensions that are at play in my, in my, in my body. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't choose a lot of what's happening <laughs> if I was, if I was consciously, uh, choosing just like a particular thought I might be thinking. And I go, do I even believe that thought that's going on in my own mind? And I, mm. and I look at it and I go, no, that isn't true. That isn't what I actually think. So that crisis, the crisis yeah. for me is some, it's not so much fixing that at all. It's more just noticing that it's happening and living in such a way that I'm more present to the wholeness, the fullness of what's actually here so that I can be in relationship with it as I'm living and as I am doing things. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I so appreciate about you you and, and what I see you bringing to this conversation is the, you are, when I speak to you, I really get a sense, I think for, as you say, the kind of fractal nature of the meta crisis, like that there is, there are these ways in which it, the the crises that we see in the world are living in each moment in us, and 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 as you described 
that crisis, they said this like longing to live in a way that makes sense to me now, I notice I was reflecting on uh, my life and the, um, the, the way that these conversations that I've been having on this podcast have accelerated me into that crisis, right? Like I, w- I would not have moved back to the monastery, I don't think, if I hadn't been having these conversations. And that there is a way in which acknowledging ever more deeply the you know, crisis in the biosphere or in the, in the political world or in the economy kind of gets us closer and closer to our own crisis, like our own subjective crisis. Uh, and I also see that as I've been getting more responses to the people who are, people are listening to this, these conversations, a lot of them are also having this crisis, right? Where they're starting to see just, or to set, they're, they're now seeing more and more clearly how out of alignment their way of living is with making sense. The, the, the way that they're living no longer makes sense. And so there, there is something about that crisis that's at the very heart of all of the conversations that I've been having. And I think it's also at the heart of any kind of um, movement of personal transformation that's really in integrity. Mm. Mm. And, and, and what, what that that question about like what is it's funny because you, you, you personal integrity feels like it opens up for me that the, that integrity mm. itself seems like a fractal you know that that what is integrity when i'm out of integrity you know when i observe how i'm processing my own experience and i notice the lack of integrity mm. Then what does integrity mean? And 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 I and and then what I notice that the lack of integrity in the way I'm processing my own experience seems to be mirrored or matched in how I, I'm noticing how other people seem to be processing their experience and in how we're relating together. Like we make agreements, for example, about either what we're going to do or how we're going to do it, and then we don't do those things or not the way that we agree to them and that that's normal like and then we don't really look at that you know look at we sort of just keep going anyway because the lack of integrity is so normal and even the attempt to face it and the lack of integrity in that attempt is so normal that it feels like you know the question of what integrity really means um, and and it is sort of for me is part of the crisis. It's like oh, it, it's it's it sort of feels to me like somehow really being in the crisis myself, you know, really fully opening myself to it <laughs> feels very satisfying. It's like that somehow or another, even though it's very uncomfortable in at one in one sense, in another sense, it's just like oh, somehow I feel really safe because I'm just coming towards the full the fullness of the reality of my own my own experience. What what is actually happening? And then when I meet you there, I feel like, oh, oh, you're you're having you're we're so having a human experience of being alive on the earth together. And it's not very nice, but I, it feels so much better to me to to be together in our yeah. own experience of what's actually happening without, at least for me, I feel like in myself, I've lived a lot through a kind of presentation layer, which I think software has really illustrated how pervasive it is to me, you know, like the presentation layer of of the way software works it's mm. sort of got nothing to do with the actual code. It's like it's a whole thing in itself. And I feel like, oh, I'm trying to learn in my own experience about how to not be so distracted mm. by the presentation layer, whether it's my own story to myself or or how I'm 
unconsciously or semi-consciously attempting to present myself to you that I, I I'm used to not noticing what's actually going on, like the effort to create a presentation layer or to distract myself from what I'm noticing about how it feels to be with what's actually happening because it's really uncomfortable. And so I mm. <laughs> put attention on something else. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm going, when I heard you say, oh, you want to go sort of more into the personal transformation first and then the system change from there. And what I have, I'm having the sense of is like there's so yes. much of a, they're in, so entangled that that it sort of doesn't really mean anything to separate them. It's 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 only that we, the mindset that we came in with, which is the game A mindset, is sort of built out of the split. It sort of it presumes a split, and it feels like oh. And then it wants to sort of like start from here and then do that or start from the other end and then do the other one. And, and somehow I have the sense that like finding my way into the crisis, like I had a dream a long time ago when I was a kid, a recurring dream where this cow with horns was chasing me and I'd, I'd just be running away from it. I don't know how many times I had that dream, but eventually I had this feeling of turning around and running at the cow and the cow ran away and it never came back. And, and I'm not saying that the way through the crisis is so, like the crisis is suddenly going to disappear, but it feels to me like instead of trying to fix the crisis or heal the crisis even, it sort of feels like becoming mm. present in my own being to what is the crisis, what is actually the crisis, and sort of letting it really come present to me. What is it? feels like saying yes to reality. It's like, yeah, there is a crisis. There's, you know, so many of your guests are so articulate about the nature of it and, you know, how to respond to it. And I feel like that's really beautiful and I love it. And that somehow there's a way in which I need to enter into my own relationship with it for myself as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think what is really interesting to me or what's calling me my attention right now is um, to maybe go deeper into this exploration of integrity because I think that there's again a a part of what I think that I'll be doing in the coming months on this show is sort of creating portals between what seems like looking at systems change to looking at personal transformation. And and I think in articulating or kind of pointing out those portals, hopefully the duality will begin to be troubled. Because right? I agree, mm. like there's a way in which we can get to a point in which they're not distinct in the way that they seem. I think part of the problem mm. is that they seem so different. Right. And that's and that's as you say, it's like that that's part of the machinations and the whole web mm. that we're sort of caught in. And so I, I wonder, like, maybe we can just uh, do a little inquiry together about what inqu- integrity is. Like, what, what is, what's integrity yeah. for, for you? Yeah. Mm. Well, what, the word that comes up in, in my mind is, is wholeness. And, um, you know, uh, I was really inspired uh, listening to Jordan talk about coming into a conversation open to the possibility of being transformed by wholeness. And and what I find is that what wholeness means to me is that nothing and no one is excluded. Mm. And I feel like integrity for me is kind of like coming into the into relationship with wholeness. It's like integrity is a, emergent property of coming into relationship with wholeness, coming more fully into relationship with wholeness. That's what I have the sense of is like, oh, it's sort of like by noticing the disjunction, by noticing the lack of integrity, I feel like that sort of seems to me to allow more wholeness. It's like if I'm trying to avoid the the lack of integrity, then I'm sort of perpetuating a sort of illusion of integrity, which 
I feel like is really good for coping. It sort of lets me go and do things like try and save the world, but it, it brings me away from the, the, the fullness of, of the, the lack of integrity that I am experiencing when I slow down and, and look with kind eyes at what's actually happening. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm kind of smiling because that's one of the common experiences that people have if they come and stay at the monastery for a while is they think they're going to come and is going to be this like, um, generally upward sloping path to happiness and integrity. But in fact, most of, most of what it's like to be here is to realize just how deeply out of integrity you are. But eventually you realize that, that, mm-hmm. that noticing the lack of integrity is like a kind of proximate cause of integrity. And so it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's something I think in what you're saying that, that speaks real deeply to me. And, and I think to what, uh, yeah, to what 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 feels really important to me, or what what feels most important to me, and it, it, another part around integrity that so it's interesting that you said what comes to mind is wholeness. What comes to mind first for me is alignment, right? The kind of like um, I think of uh, I, I, I the the I don't quite think of this, but there's some kind of image having to do with Omni Win. Like that when I act in integrity, I am acting in a way that cares for myself, my community, my, you know, uh, bioregion, my planet, you know, all at once. Like there's a kind of full stack goodness with that. Like that, and that there's, and that also, uh, mm. and that's why I think that a lot of coming into greater integrity is realizing how far, how, how much, to what degree we've missed the mark, because that is obviously like, that's a, that's a, that's a, um, an asymptote that no matter to what degree we dedicate ourselves to it, we will never finally hit. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious about that because what I notice is that um, this is a co- complex noticing, so I'm, I don't know how how I'm going to unpack it, but I'll just have a go. What I notice is this, in my own experience, that there is a kind of a, there's a difference between trying to remember what integrity means is it as you point out? I mean, to do something which is omni win, <laughs> it's enorm- There's an enormous amount of complexity in that, and that I feel com- personally completely incapable of 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 that amount of complexity being resident in my <laughs> sort of ram. You know, my <laughs> from moment to moment to moment. It just, and, and then I can see that. Um, in my case, that there is a sort of set of operating assumptions that sit underneath how I'm processing my experience, which I don't tend to notice. So you could say that's like my operating system is built out of that set of assumptions and that in that set of assumptions, there's kind of like, you know, for example, the division between personal transformation and system change. It's just sort of an operating assumption at an unconscious level. And what I have the sense of is that in my own experience is that sometimes I just notice something Mm. in the moment, which is the right thing. It has this feeling of rightness about it. And it doesn't even come through that whole operating system. It seems like it comes some other way. And I'm calling that myself. Mm. I call that noticing. It's like there's this kind of noticing. And then I notice that I can react to the noticing. It's like the conditioned part of me sort of tries to sort of add value to it or co-opt it or something. It, you know, it's like it, and, and I'm not against like this sort of kind of um, more rational sort of way of knowing. It, it feels like it, but it also feels like there's yes. something prior to that 
but that my operating system is not geared towards valuing that way of noticing, that, that process of noticing relative to rational knowing or to memory, for example. It's like, oh, my whole operating system is kind of geared away from what seems to be required to participate in naturally in living in a way that seems to evoke or respond to the possibility of that more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, right? So, so this that that feels like the mm. part of the crisis in me is re, has been realizing that my operating system itself is unable to to even though I seem to have access to this noticing. I'm unable to 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 be present to it in a helpful way because my operating system doesn't know how to do that or it's geared towards doing something else. So my my hypothesis is well I need a new operating system and that seems like uh, um, a big a big project uh, particularly given that in my experience this thing about simulated sovereignty that the operating system I've got already thinks it's up for the job and it's sort of the only one that can keep me safe and doesn't buy into beyond a certain level the reality of what it would take to to conceive of um, a new operating system in a way that enabled that new operating system through practice over a long period of time to, to come into existence in my own yes. being. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And um, I think, you know, part of what I hear you speaking into, and this is something that I, I think Zach Stein mentioned, was that there's a kind of, um, part of what's needed now is f- for us to be humiliated, right? That there's mm-hmm. a... Um, and and what i like about mm. the omni win ideal is that if you really consider it it's humiliating i think for the reasons that mm. you say right like think of the complexity mm. in any action that you're taking all the considerations that you would need to take in order to do anything that's even remotely omni win given the systems and structures that we find ourselves embedded in it's humiliating. And it's actually in that humiliation and that sort of giving up that then, as you say, there's a, a, there's something else that can emerge that isn't coming out of the this old operating system, but is fresh and spontaneous and seems I, like I, I, I wonder, I, I, like, I, I do think, I do believe that it it tends to get us closer to omni-win than anything mm. that we're typically capable of rationally figuring out in many cases, in many yeah. cases. Um, yeah. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's actually directly omni-win. And this is, if you look in the Buddhist tradition, like there's a lot of like um, arguments and disagreements about like, what does the further end of the path look like? And if you look in the Mahayana tradition, like, there is just some crazy suttas about what Buddhas are capable of and what it takes to become one, right? So, mm-hmm. like, as you get up that asymptote mm-hmm. of exponentially skillful and more and more skillful action and being, like, it gets insane. But I think we can sort of start, or we can, we can, I think there is this way of participating in reality where it's, yeah, you, you call it noticing, but that strips away the complexity and yet enables a kind of more omni-considerate, omni-win integrity of action that's trustworthy. Yeah. I I want to make a couple of comments about this because it's funny. When we first started talking, um, I wrote down 200 conscious beings and that, that, um, that comes from this guy, George Gurdjieff, his, that, that he was saying and his take was that if there were a couple of hundred fully conscious beings on the earth, that mm. everything would change by itself. We, you know, that, and, and then I also noticed that um, in the history, I've sort of followed the, some of the research that's been done into his sources, where did they come from? 
and there these this there was this uh, sort of tradition called the Kwajagan, or which in English translates to Masters of Wisdom, and and one of the stories about them, which I think points to the sort of correlation between personal transformation and system change, was that when the Mongol hordes came across. And you know, destroyed you know the sort of agricultural civilizations in their in, in their path, and just had this enormous kind of destructive effect. Within twenty five years of them doing that, it all changed. And and the the story that uh, came out of that change was that the the, the Kwajagan were de- definitely involved in that change. That you know that that, that their people were aware the Mongols were coming. And some of those people, instead of running away and hiding, became advisors to the invading hordes. Now, how they pulled that off is, you know, that's a big, it's obviously that's not an easy thing to do. But the point for me was somehow that it seems like the more fully sort of into this noticing or this being with doing humans seem to get, it feels like they're sort of just coming to the fullness of reality. They're coming closer to the fullness of reality and noticing what's really needed and noticing how to respond to that. And and I think probably, I'm assuming, we both sort of share the sense that that kind of consciousness is probably the most valuable sort of resource that we could bring to bear in a time like this. (laughs) and, And that, at least for me, what I have the sense of is that the scale, you know, people talk about taking sort of systems change things to scale, and I get that. What I have the sense of is that maybe the formula at the other end of that is like taking consciousness to scale. It's like what what is, or it doesn't matter whether you use the word consciousness, but like the fullness mm. of human, what a human can be, is that is that if we go, if we pursue that not to the exclusion of, but to the inclusion of the whole of reality, the out-there-ness of what's happening on the earth, which it seems like awakened beings do anyway. We're thinking of Gandhi, for example. It's not like these people just sit on a mat. You know, they, they are deeply mm. concerned with what's happening on the earth. And then just to bring that thought process more into my own life, I, I you know, had a series of experiences when I was, you know, sort of mystical type experiences when I was in my teens and that drove me on a search and I ended up living in a community in the UK. And while I was there, I discovered that the being that was who was directing that community, who was a pretty extraordinary being, they had a um, consulting firm and that and in the school and that consulting firm was consulting with governments and multinationals. And then I discovered that the, that there were other, you know, so-called realized beings around who also had consulting firms that were also consulting with multinationals and governments. And it made me think, I mean, just because you're enlightened, you know, like you don't like announce in the newspaper that you're actually influencing the course of events from your enlightened consciousness. It's like, it, 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 and I have the sense that somehow or another, the system change and personal transformation and the relationship between those and and going much more fully into the crisis in my own subjective experience somehow as being a, a pathway into relationship with more of reality as it is. There's something really profound in that. And I feel really inspired by the fact that you're sort of like saying, okay, um, I'm just going to go deeper into, into the question, particularly the the you know the what you're calling personal transformation and the relationship of that with with the possibility of the kind of systemic change that might actually be adequate to the situation in which we find mm. ourselves I mm. yeah I feel mm. pretty inspired by that yeah what what came up for me as you talked about um, the two hundred conscious individuals was again i think that there's and i had this conversation with this person miles bouquet on the podcast where we talked about some of what we've been seeing happening as capitalism encounters wisdom traditions and one of the things that's happening that's a bit concerning is a kind of like flattening 
of the territory, like a devaluing of the currency of consciousness, right? As people create landing pages that explain how you can get, you know, some kind of what they're calling awakening in eight weeks in their eight week course. Um, and, mm. and what they're, what we, well, I think a lot of people, and certainly I know this was true for me until not too long ago, that there's a, that we've lost sight of actually how deep these paths of transformation can go. And that we've, I think, attenuated our vision of the limits of growth for the human being, right? That we, we, we have, even as they become very in vogue, things like mindfulness and meditation, uh, what I've seen happen is that, uh, we've, um, we've, we, we aren't naming or the, the, the depths of the path are kind of like cloudy or are thought to be mythological or, uh, aren't really just talked about because it's not polite dinner conversation at secular tables. Whereas if you talk about like brain changes and, um, how it helps with pain relief, you know, those are like, Oh, okay, very good. There's probably some value here. And so when, when I hear 200 people is what it would take to change the world, you know, I can imagine me, uh, maybe like five, six years ago, translating that into what I knew about what kind of change was possible. And I'd be like, that sounds like bullshit, right? Like, I, yeah, like mm. I've done a lot of meditation and I'm a, yeah, a little bit more chill. I'm happier. Um, sometimes I'm more skillful. It's good. But I don't, you know, I think that that would be a real error on the part of humanity if we um, didn't really take some of these statements seriously. Like Gurdjieff was no slouch. He, he, he wasn't like being... I mean, maybe he was a little bit, but I don't think he was purely, he wasn't being poetic. He wasn't being like metaphorical. I think there's actually mm. like more, it was a statement about how deep this can go and, and the degree to which you can actually become a kind of force of nature that has a real serious impact on the world if you go real far. And I don't know, that's a lot of, lot of stuff. And I'm curious what your response is to that. Yeah. Well, I, I remember uh, listening to Vinay Gupta, you know, who, whose podcast I really enjoyed. Um, just He was sort of just doing a bit of a mental survey of the amount of work that he notices is generally being done in this domain and, and sort of, you know, my, my inference from his sort of survey was like, well, you know, the future that's coming towards us is sort of going to be a function of how little of that there seems to be appetite for. Um, and then the, and I, and I really respect that and, and see a lot of, lot of truth in that. And I also have the sense that like, it doesn't really matter that much. What, if this is true, if there's some truth in this, that it's sort of like, what would be, that that integrity and the movement of wholeness that that there's something moving through life that create is creating life and 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 the, you know is reality itself there's something in that that seems to me that the noticing that's in me seems to already be accessible you know to that or available to that in some way. And I have the sense of like, I don't know what a human being would be if it was fully open to that. You know, it's like, and, and I and, and I feel a huge amount of kind of like potentiality. Like, you know, the thing that I, the image that I'd use was like you're plugging your toaster into a dam, that image was given to me. And it's like, well, you're going to have to have a very special kind of toaster if you plug it into a dam and then you'd say, well, why would you plug a toaster into a dam? And I have the sense that, well, the image that eventually came to me was like, oh, well, the toaster wouldn't just toast the, the toast. It would, it would, it would make the toast like some, it would have another property like light instead of just heat it would have light. So it have, it would have, the toaster would have other properties, which we don't normally conceive of human beings as having. And I feel like, oh, 
So, so it sort of feels like the state of enlightenment, we just sort of focus on the being of part of that. But what about the doing part of it? What, what would enlightened doing be capable of in the world? And, and that it seems like these great beings shape, of, they sort of know what to do. And, and that if there's enough of them, then it seems like even individuals, you know, working collaborative, collaboratively can, can shape things in ways that people less fully present to reality can. So, and all I'm trying to do is ground that thought a little bit and say, it seems to me like um, what I'll say in my own experience of trying to go in that direction, that if I think that's true, that somehow greater consciousness or deeper consciousness, more fully able to be present to reality is really helpful. Then I noticed and I notice my lack of integrity in my, the way I'm actually living my life relative to that, that noticing, then I have something to bring myself to, not because it's true in the we, but because it's true in the I, you know, like it's true in my experience. And I feel like that's my crisis. It's not just that the world is in crisis, it's that there is a, a sort of hypothesis which I feel really convinced by in myself, like it's true that I need to go as far as I can go towards greater relationship with reality and greater relationship with wholeness so that I'm better able to let whatever contribution mm. I can make flow through me. And that and that just seems <laughs> definitely my hypothesis yeah. is I'm not looking for another one. Yeah. I'm just trying to learn how to live that one. And that brings me into a different kind of crisis, which in my life has got something to do with my relationship with myself, my own operating system, my my intimate partnership, my work, how I live at mm. home, you know, my practice, mm. it, it, you know, how I make a living. It's just it's just mm. that that feels like well, that's the theatre, and then the question of integrity arises mm. in that, and then I'm back in the crisis again, day by day by day, but feeling like I feel kind of I don't, like I just want to be honest. It's like I feel delighted. That the whole of our civilization is in crisis because to me it sucks you know like how it shows up in me sucks how it, sh- how it shows up everywhere i look sucks and so i'm really grateful to have mm. a reminder to do the work you know I'm, I'm grateful that the rest of humanity has a reminder because it seems to me like wow if we needed something right now more than anything it's a reminder to do the work and that only those of us who are experiencing that as a reminder it falls to us to you know, to do, it falls to me to do what I need to do to respond to this, rather than worrying about is everyone else doing the right thing or is enough of us doing the right thing. It's only mm. it's only me. Yeah, yeah, I so resonate with that, and um, it's amazing, you know. So as we kind of explore and unpack this inquiry, I'm just remembering that it started with this very simple statement, right? This this or this awareness of an, a longing to live in a way that makes sense to me now. And as you mm-hmm. say, you know, we talk about things on the show and in the space, uh, like the, the meaning crisis or the sense-making crisis. Mm-hmm. And usually I think those are looked at in terms of systemic and structural crises and therefore opportunities, Right. But the, the way that those ground down into our subjective experience, into our personal experience, is also there's an opportunity there. And, and I think it's been really sweet to then kind of um, open that up and to see how that being in traction, actually looking at that longing to live in a way that makes sense, is is itself the being in traction with that is, is the the that which will pull you into ever greater and greater integrity. And, you know, the, at the deep end, it looks, mm-hmm. it looks crazy. It looks like, like living like a Buddha, right? I mean, you don't have to go for that. We don't have to go for, but, but like it's much, it's yeah. a much longer path and requires a greater degree of humility. Like I've, I, I like the, I mean, I'm reminded of, um, there's this quote, the life of a Zen master is one mistake after another. You know, <laughs> 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 you know, 
Ah, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And, and I also want to notice, because there's something about grounding this, um, like you, you're living in the monastery and you're saying, you know, to some extent it's a function mm. of these conversations that you're having that you made that choice in your life to live this way in, in a community which kind of deepens your awareness of the trouble that you're in. You know, like you were saying, people come to the monastery, well, you're living in the monastery, so I'm assuming your experience is sort of a in, more intensive version yes. of what people who are visiting are having, which, you know, like is around this question of integrity seemingly anyway. And what what I'm noticing is that I'm I'm in the question more and more and more of of how to how to how to create or or be in a catalytic sort of role in the emergence of community of a community that I can live in that favors the same thing that I think drew you into the monastery and also kind of stands in the world like I'll, and I'll give you a metaphor of it. Mm. So we stopped mowing the lawn in the, in that and we I put a sign up on on the lawn saying something like uh, you know, uh, please excuse the weeds. We're feeding the bees, and a little picture of a bee and a flower. And and because in our street, you know, there it's normal to have a lawn, and we have sort of something like a meadow. <laughs> and the, and the point for me is like, oh, I'm doing. Uh, you know, we're doing that because we feel like nature. We have some response, the sense that nature actually prefers a meadow. And a law. It's like, and that we're trying to respond directly to that noticing that that's and 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 the point for me in terms of like the practicalities of what integrity means is that that I need to put the sign up because it is not because we are not bothering <laughs> to mow the lawn. We're actually standing for something else, and we have to put a sign up. And, and what I notice <laughs> is people stop and take photos of the sign. It's like. And 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 I and I go yeah this is it it's like I want to be in the world as it is noticing what does integrity actually mean that I can do something about and 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 then what do I need to change in my life so that that which is not in integrity can I just take one step of that sign stop mowing the lawn or start making compost and have the yeah. wonderful experience of the bin you know in the kitchen going into the compost bin going onto the soil feeding the plants coming into the kitchen going back into the bin just actually experiencing yeah. that kind of integrity you know like what that 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 if that's what integrity means to me then i need to discover yeah. where am i out of integrity that's really alive to me and then i feel like what happens is like wholeness somehow this is an aliveness that moves through me and if i follow it my life starts to change, and when I follow it enough, I realize, oh, it's not enough to adjust the normal that I'm in. Mm. I need to actually be in a new normal. Game B is sort of emerges. I feel like as a, it's sort of like part of the crisis because something mm. in me knows I need to be living another way, and that the whole construct of the way that I'm living and the operating system out of which out there and in here that way I'm living emerges that I need to be experimenting with a whole other way of living and that that's part of my crisis. Yeah. I'm reminded of uh, Jordan Peterson's injunction to, to make your bed. And I think what, what he's saying there is like, make your bed if that's the thing, right? If that's the thing that's out of integrity, if you've made your bed, yeah. Hey, maybe have that difficult, take the garbage out. If you've taken the garbage out, we have that difficult conversation if, and, and so on and so forth. There is this kind of way that you can listen to your life, that your life is constantly inviting you into deeper and deeper integrity. And so it's so beautiful. Yeah. I think that there's, there's environments. I love, I love the emphasis on community because I, what I notice is that there's some environments where that listening and that responding to is hard to do. It seems like it's just hard to do. Right? It's not set mm -hmm. up to afford that. 
And there are other environments in which it's easier to do. And that's to a large degree what I think like a monastery is or what a good developmentally oriented community is, is that it makes it a little bit easier to respond to those invitations that are coming to us from life to live in to deeper integrity. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that that I think uh, Joe Brewer is is on to. I hear it in him anyway, which is, it's sort of like the the monastery or like right now I'm involved in a group and we're um, developing the possibility of community and, um, the north part of the South Island of New Zealand, and 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 that that feels great. That we and we really want to integrate that into the larger sort of area that it's part of, and and you know we're looking for a welcome and and really want to you know that do that move with integrity as best we can and be sort of led by that noticing as as we as we move in that direction. And that what I heard in Joe was like, that's kind of like really necessary because it feels like, oh, we, for example, we, we need to discover a, a new, a, you know, for ourselves an operating system for that community, which, which actually enables us to, to orient from game B. And, and it's not a small thing to develop a deep enough kind of coherence with a game B way of processing experience to even be able to understand what such an operating system might be like and how it might work. It's, it's very difficult work. And yet even, and I think it's not impossible, but the point for the, the Joe thing was like, oh, and then it's like, how do I go from that into the places where I don't have integrity, where I don't show up, you know, like, because that's the real work is, is when I'm in a place where, I might lose everything that I find most dear or lose something that I care a lot about. If I, if I maintain my integrity, am I willing in those circumstances to maintain it? And what I feel like for me, that's the, that's the alive edge of the crisis is it's not so much when I'm in a favorable place, which I, I know I need enough of because I can't orient from game B if I don't have enough fa- favorable mm. environments to discover a new normal and that that resonates with that, and yet it's like, how do I be fully present to game A, and the and the ways that game way game A sort of tends to trigger me to go out of integrity because if I haven't mastered that, I'm not fully available. I'm just not online to whatever needs to be done in, in this time that we're living in.